Brett Parker, welcome to the African Tech Roundup. Thanks very much, Andila. Good to be here. Well, uh, enterprise resource planning, that's, um, that's the name of the game as far as SAP is concerned. Is ERP still a thing? Uh, absolutely, Andile. I mean, the reality is, is that uh, you know, uh, ERP is very much part of the uh, digital journey. Um, you need to have a solid integrated platform in order for you to get the benefits of uh, digital transformation and everything that you want to do uh, around uh, consumer experience, around uh, real-time offers and everything else. Um, I think the reality is what, what companies need today is they need an ERP platform that runs real-time so they can have access to data um, and that data can be transaction processing type data that is then on a single platform that you can get reporting environments going, access to data on mobile devices, everything else that you need. But uh, without ERP, uh, you're not going to have uh, much of a digital journey ahead of you. So you've got to make sure that you have that in place. And that's the platform for, for things that you can do moving forward. And so in your mind, anybody, uh, any C-suite out there looking to remain relevant in, uh, you know, in this digital future that's approaching has to be thinking this way? Yeah, I mean, you've got to modernize your ERP. You've got to, be, you've got to make sure that you can run your business real time uh, and have a live business environment. That's important. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you, you can't forget about it. It's not something that you can just say, oh, we've done that and that's the end of it. I think... The, the important thing about ERP or about, about digital transformation and, and, and digital journeys is it's the data that's so important. Okay, so you've got to make sure that you have, uh, you're controlling your data, that the data is the center of everything that you do. It's not about the applications. Okay, the applications are merely delivering the different scenarios that you need and everything else. The data is, is the key. It's the center of everything that you do. And that data will reside and should reside in a real-time business platform, an ERP platform, uh, that integrates everything across an organization. So when we talk about data, you can't have like two, three, four, five, six versions of data because then you don't know which data is the data that is the real data, right? Because if you have data, for example, on an individual, there's only one set of data that is, that is relevant for that individual. You can't have more than one. So a single, uh, single data source fully integrated on an ERP platform is the cornerstone of what you need to, to move into the digital opportunities and the industries that you serve. And isn't that one of the challenges, though, in terms of uh, legacy institutions, uh, large corporates and others, uh, sometimes having upwards of 20, sometimes even up to 100-odd different systems running, you know, different applications running various things within the organization. Tell me about how that's a challenge uh, to be overcome. And sometimes, and tell me whether or not this is sometimes an inhibitor to, to, to getting people thinking the way they ought to for the future. Yeah, so of course, legacy is, uh, is always going to be a problem. And, and the rea reality is, is that you need to switch the stuff off, okay? So if it doesn't work, it's not giving you a real-time platform. You've got to move in, th in that direction. And as you move, you must switch the legacy off because it's just going to be Achilles' heel to everything that you do. And again, you're going to have multiple sources of data. So you, if you have some legacy and you want to start a digital transformation journey, there's no reason why you can't do things in parallel because you've got to keep the business running on the one hand whilst you build the future on the other. So I think, you know, there's different approaches and different ways of doing it. I think where people and companies really struggle is when, when it comes time to make the tough decision to switch the legacy off because someone's always got a reason why they should keep it on. And uh, we've made many of these tough decisions at SAP. None of them are easy. We, we've uh, spent, in some cases, billions on uh, building new solutions that we realize after time it's not right or it won't be relevant for our customers, and we've got to switch it off. 
So these are the decisions that you've got to make in business, and you've got to be bold to make those decisions. And I think, you know, digital transformation, as we've discussed uh, during the last two days, it's not easy, and it requires people that lead it to be bold in the decisions they make. You know, it's, <laughs> interesting question comes up when you say that. Does SAP run SAP? Of course, of course we do. And, and by the way, so do most of the other multinational uh, tech tech companies. They all run SAP. <laughs> so um, it's uh, look, it's a privilege uh, to be in the position we're in. But again, um, you know, we, we we've done some bold things since 2010. We doubled the size of our business. Uh, we did some serious acquisitions. Many of them were very bold, um, but we did them because we believed that. Uh, we had to be to, to do those to be relevant to our customers and to have the kind of partnerships that we had. And when you do those things, they come with uh, what we call corporate cholesterol, right? So you've got a lot of uh, cholesterol in the company where people are, you know, struggling to get things done. Uh, you know, you, you get um, hierarchy builds up. You get all these types of things that come with a fast growth, ag aggressive kind of business model and strategy. Um, and, but you've got to keep churning it out. You've got to keep cleaning it up, and you've got to keep it out. Otherwise, you, do, you cannot remain agile. You cannot you know, change quickly and move uh, to, to be some of the, you know, the, the fast movers in some opportunities, which gives you the leadership position. So these are the kind of things we, we, we're going through all the time, and, and it's not dissimilar to our customers. Our customers do the same thing. And <clears throat> In fact, the, um, the digital transformation sessions that we've been on, um, in the last couple of days, most of the discussion we've been sharing is about our own experience and how we, how we are going through things at SAP. And our customers are sharing experiences that they are going through. And so this is not a session that is about SAP we, as, as a solution or as a product or, or, or anything like that. It's more about you know, partners and customers sitting together, sharing their experiences and talking about how to improve things and where to make the bets moving forward and how to go, what's the approach, how do you simplify the architecture? How do you take out the legacy? How do you do the, the change management process in the company and things like that? So it's those types of discussions. It's interesting. I have it under good authority that uh, 2010 was a rough, rough around about 2010 was pretty rough for SAP globally. Um, uh, I mean, you guys are obviously market leaders in almost every respect. On Choose a metric, you know, and um, uh, the mighty do fall. And you guys had to think differently. You've already alluded to it. Uh, what would you say is the biggest uh, of this? Uh, and uh, bring it down to maybe one thing: the biggest thing that you guys had to rethink around how you go about doing your business. So, I mean, there's been many big things. Uh, I can't tell you like over the years, but in in my opinion, the biggest decision that was made in 2010 was when uh, Jim Snabe and and uh, Bill McDermott got together. Uh, probably, I, I wasn't in the meeting, but probably with Hassa as well, and they probably decided, you know, we're either going to be a company that is going to be a leader that's going to acquire other companies, uh, and we're going to be relevant to the markets and the customers that we serve, or alternatively, we're going to be a company that will be acquired by another. And I think, you know, that fundamental decision uh, at that point in time was key because that decision leads to many others. The others are things like, right, we need an aggressive acquisition strategy we need to understand where the markets are going and where we want to be uh, in our business you want to be number one and you want to be leading in the areas that you serve so we're number one in the industry nobody does industry like sap uh, 27 different industries uh, we know all the business processes start to finish we work with our customers globally to develop those processes we make them available in best practices we're number one in mobile we acquired cybase to give us that position we're number one in analytics we're number one in in-memory computing uh, we're, we're in many of the segments in cloud. We're number one, whether it's about transactions you measure or whether it's about number of customers, we're number one in cloud. 
um, and uh, we're fast becoming number one in data, database as well. We're currently, uh, you know, lagging a little behind some of the traditional database vendors in the, in the uh, um, let's call it the, um, you know, the client server and the relational database environment. Shout out to IBM. Yeah. So, 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 you know, those are, those are the areas. But if you, if you heard what I just said, you know, that strategy that we, or that decision we made in 2010 was to be number one in those categories. And that's why we aggressively went over these, you know, after these acquisitions and, and then also built from the core, you know, and, uh, and today, if you look, I think, uh, you know, if you take our revenue, you started with the question of ERP, right? I mean, how important is ERP? ERP is super important. And I'm not just saying that because we're SAP. Uh, the reality is we do a lot more today than just ERP. ERP is probably about 18% of our revenue. So we're not, uh, we, we are the best at ERP. We run everything in memory, everything live, but we're not just an ERP company. And it's important, important that people re uh, recognize that. The reason why we should be the partner of choice on the digital transformation side is because which other company understands how to run your business better than SAP? There the aren't companies that understand business processes like we do by industry. And although you may want to get, so there's examples, you may want to get into different industries. For example, you're a retailer, you want to get into banking. Who helps you get into banking? You, the people who understand technology and banking and business processes are the ones that you choose to help you. And that's SAP. You can go to a tech company, but they don't know how to run a bank. They don't know what the business processes are. So these are big differentiators, and that's why the industry piece is so important, right, is because we understand it very well. And we also, you know, we, what we're doing here with this uh, executive digital exchange, we're building communities globally that will then share amongst each other around these experiences about what they're doing and help companies to actually, you know, make the changes they need to make, make the decisions they need to, to, to make to become the digital companies that they want to become. What is the biggest market uh, for you guys on the continent? So, so just in terms of revenue, I mean, obviously South Africa is the biggest. And for many reasons, um, I think uh, we've also been in South Africa for uh, 25 years. Uh, so that's quite a long time. Um, but, you know, I think that Africa is an amazing continent. I mean, you, I, I know that you get different views on Africa. You know, people see the challenges. There are many of them, and they're very different. You go to different countries, different markets, the, the challenges are different. It's not the same. So you need to have a mindset that's firstly that understands that Africa is not a country. It's a continent with 50, well, actually 54 countries on it, including Egypt. And each country is different, and the challenges are different, but the opportunities are immense. So you need to have the mindset that says these are the opportunities that we have in Africa. And let's be sensible about how we go and build them, develop them, and go after them. So we have, um, if I look at it, so I'll just tell you about the growth. I mean, there's massive growth uh, happening in uh, countries like uh, Morocco and Algeria and uh, up north in, in, in some in, in Tunisia, for example. But there's also nice growth coming out of other countries across the continent. And I mean, you, you can go anywhere and you'll see them, you know, in pockets and whatever. So... So I think that, um, you know, you just need to pick where you've got to be. What we did was we built a hub model. So we have hubs that serve all of our, our customers for, across 53 different countries. Um, and those hubs are built to, to serve the different languages that we have across the continent as well. So, so this is the way that we do things. And we have a strong partner ecosystem. I think this is very important. And then another thing we do is we invest a lot in skills development so that we can actually make skills, SAP skills available to customers at uh, reasonable types of uh, costs as well. So these things are, are very important to us as well. But we see um, our, uh, our business growing in, in a lot of major geographies, Kenya, 
um, you know, uh, geographies like even even in some of the places where the where business is a bit tough in Angola and Nigeria, you know, those those businesses are still growing in in different ways and in different areas. I also think that Africa is very well suited to cloud, okay, because cloud is um, is somewhere some it, it it gives you the opportunity because and uh, because you can get. Uh, the experts to run the business for you. You don't have to make major capital investment. You can keep your capital. Invest in some operational expenses to run the cloud. You don't like the service you get. You don't like the solutions. You, you terminate it. It's a consumption-based model. All of the things that suit a, an emerging economy are, are, are actually sitting there in the cloud models. Um, and then the beauty of Africa is we don't have the legacy, right? We don't have to drag along all these big systems and, and all this capital investment that's sitting on the balance sheet as well. So many of these things mean that we're well suited. So we've seen some amazing growth in our cloud business on the continent too. So I was actually going to ask you what, um, what sort of differences, stark differences in experience and execution you sort of see when you're around your contemporaries who manage businesses in other regions around the world. Maybe the top two things that are totally different about their experience in terms of managing SAP's business, say, in, in, in Europe or in the US, for example. So, look, I always think about it as uh, mature markets and emerging markets. You know, I mean, th there are big differences between the two. Uh, you need to understand what they are. If you want to operate in an emerging market, you need to, you need to know what that takes. So we see a, long, a lot of similarities between businesses, for example, in the Middle East and businesses in Africa and how we do business as SAP in these regions. Uh, even the same for, I'd say, Eastern Europe, Russia, you know, these types of regions. I've worked in all of them, and the challenges that we have there are very similar. Um, you know, in terms of doing business. Mature markets are much more predictable. So sales cycles are predictable. Corporate governance is, uh, is you know, it's documented. Compliance, all of those types of things. I'm not saying that in emerging markets they're not there. They're all there, but not necessarily documented to the perspective and, and uh, um, predictable to the perspective that we have in mature markets. So if you look at uh, some of our customers in Germany and France and the UK and the US, these types of mature markets, you know, everything is well understood. The process that are followed, um, you know, e everything is well communicated around that. In emerging markets, it's not necessarily the case. So you've got to keep working with, you know, the fact that things are changing, things are moving, decision making happens in a different way. Um, you know, we in emerging markets, there's often meetings that are called to make decisions. And people attend the meetings and make a decision. In a, in a mature market, it's more like we'll wait for the next board meeting that happens. They do it there because it's structured, right? And it goes to, and the same for the payments. You know, cash collection is something that we, we we always focus on in emerging markets because the payments don't just happen. You know, you've got all kinds of regulations in the national banks. In some places, you've got currency controls. You got so you got to work with, um, you know, uh, different types of. Um, scenarios in emerging markets that don't even exist in mature markets. So I say that, you know, we often find people that operate in mature markets, they see things in a very simplistic way. It's like it's very structured. You sign a contract. You get paid on the 25th of the month. The debtor's days are not – I'm just giving you one example in cash collection, but the debtor's days are not there, et cetera. But if you expand that uh, across the whole ambit of doing business in an emerging market, uh, we see that there are, there are a lot of similarities globally. It's not an African thing or Middle East. It's emerging markets. And uh, and the same for mature. You know, a lot of similarities across the mature markets, but they're very different to, to operate in those different markets. And so you and your team, um, executive team, what's like totally green fields that you guys are going for at the moment? Totally green fields. So look, I mean, uh, I think first of all, um, there's opportunities in industries on the continent that uh, that we haven't, invested in and we haven't uh, gone after and I think the time is right for that and I'm just going to mention two major ones so the first one is healthcare 
so we will now have a dedicated team of people that are going to focus on healthcare um, and uh, and bring some of our, our healthcare uh, innovation uh, solutions um, and some of the th great things we've built with our partners, you know, uh, to the continent to improve healthcare, predictive healthcare, management of of pa uh, patient health, all of these type of th types of things that will help not only the the healthcare providers but also the citizens of, of Africa, right, to, to manage their, their health better and to understand it better and things like that. So there's a lot of that type of work that I see happening, and that's Greenfield's type of things that has not been there before, and nobody is really pushing it, and we see that we have an opportunity to do that uh, through the communities, through the healthcare communities and practitioners and things that we're working with. Uh, the other one is agriculture, right? So agriculture is a big one, um, and um, we think that there is a big opportunity uh, through innovation and through digitization to change the, the agricultural business on the continent. Uh, you know, people spoke about, oh, Brazil is, is providing most of the agriculture. It's nonsense. You know, Africa's agricultural and arable land is five times the size of any other continent globally. This is the breadbasket of the world. It's called Africa. So the big thing for us is to then take some of the key partnerships we have with some big customers, like an OCP, for example, in Morocco, who supply a lot of the fertilizer and things for for the farming communities on the continent and globally. What's an OCP? It's a, it's a company that's based in Morocco. Oh, is it a name of a company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a name of a company. So that was an acronym. <laughs> yeah. So they basically, and it's a it's French, so I can't, I'm not going to challenge, challenge yourself. OCP is the abbreviated version, right? So, so anyway, so they're a, they're a um, company we're working with. And, and really what we want to do is we want to take um, more value to the farmer. So at the end of the day, you know, a farmer should know that if they put, you know, this amount of fertilizer on these crops at this time and this amount of water and all of that, that knowledge and that technology in place, they will increase the, the yield on those crops by, let's say, 30% or 40%. So those types of things. Then the other thing is, is that when they take these, these crops to market, they need to know how much they're going to get for the crops, right, before they get there. So it's like, you know, the, that whole supply chain, the, the ecosystem, and the technology that, that is needed to improve the agricultural business in Africa is a greenfields opportunity. And for us, uh, we're, we're best positioned to do that because we understand it. Um, we've got the partnerships that we need to make it happen. Um, and now what we need to do is we need to bring the communities along. So, you know, Africa's a big place. You don't want to start with the hardest pieces. So there's some softer landings that you can go after. And we already have some projects in place in some of the areas in East Africa, for example, and in North Africa, uh, where we're working with some, uh, some co-ops and other people to, to get these types of solutions available to the farmers. I'm just thinking uh, there are a lot of happy fish they're going to thank you <laughs> once, once uh, farmers are putting just the right amount of, of fertilizer in the ground as opposed to like dumping the whole bag, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, look, I mean, uh, we, we, also, we were saying earlier about the digital innovation and things. People always think about it as this huge, complex, you know, thing to tackle. But in actual fact, if you, if you put it into bite-sized chunks, figure out the small things that can give you the quick wins, that can make a difference, no matter whether you're talking about an industry like agriculture or whether you're a company yourself that is just looking at things and considering what you can do, think about it like that, you know. You can keep your business running on the one hand, but you can give some quick wins to your executives, to your your customers, to to other things. You know, you, you don't have to take on a huge, you know, let's call it a, 
mammoth project with huge complexity because then you tend not to get out the blocks. You just get, you're stuck and you you wheel, wheel spinning and you don't deliver anything, right? So I think the you know this quick win scenario and 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 those types of approaches are the right thing for for the digital uh, transformation journeys that people should take. The only thing I would say, if you're going after quick wins, you've got to have the right architecture in place from the get-go because what you don't want to do is you go after quick wins with company A, then you get another quick win with company B, and, co and the next thing you turn around after three years of the, of the quick wins, now you're ready to say our digital platform is, is, is almost there and you now got seven architectures, you know, seven different technologies and backbones and, and you're back where you were. Well, thank you so much, Brett. Uh, Brett Parker of SAP, man in charge right here on the continent. Thank you very much for chatting to me on the African Tech Roundup. Great, Sandili. Thanks for having me. Cheers.